please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We are still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Isaac. And I'm Chloe. And in this episode, we're talking about Chapter 19, Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Hiya. <sighs> Hello. I'm so tired. (laughs) I feel quite giddy, actually. You know how sad it is when one of us is really ready for the day when we do these recordings and one of us Mm. is still in the very beginning stages of hatching into this new day. Today I feel like we're both just still a bit damp from... (laughs) Batting our way out of our shell. Yeah. And squinting in the sun. Ew. Shaking our bedraggled leaves and going. Ah! On our way to Stephanie Meyer's house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the um, Billie Eilish video for All the Good Girls Go to Hell? I haven't seen it. Oh, I'll send it you after this. I'll send it you. Yeah. That is our walk to Stephanie Meyer's house <laughs> with our bedraggled wings. Oh, okay. It feels a little bit like the last day of school or something, because although not for the listeners who will be getting a new episode this time next week, because of the continuity of when we're recording, we get a week off next week. Woo! I got a break! A break from the Twilight Saga. (laughs) I really need it. I love this. I have great fun every time. Such fun. It's a real joy, honestly, but I can't wait to read something that isn't this. Yeah. I got some poetry, I got some plays, got some comic books, gonna get a magazine probably, a cereal box, anything. Some of them are funny. And the innocent bottles? Oh, they're a treat. Yeah, I could really do with an innocent bottle, actually. That'd be a really nice thing to read. Maybe even like the little internal fold of a penguin wrapper. I was so tired last night that I actually fell asleep reading my book. I haven't done that in years. I mean, I often fall asleep reading, but do you mean that you didn't even have time to like... No, like as like it was still in my hands. It's a big hardback. It's the new Hunger Games book. It's getting very good. At first I was like, am I enjoying this? And now I'm like, I'm enjoying it! And it's really heavy! And I was reading it and I was really into it. And then the next thing I know, I'm waking up at maybe two o'clock at night and I'm like still holding it and the lights start. Oh my God. That's hours. Yes, I did it a lot when I was little. My mum would always have to come in, turn the light off and take the book and put it down. Did she keep your place for you? Oh, probably not, no. She's probably just thinking about the electricity bill. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair. It's fair fair. enough. That is a good point. I will say that point. I will become a mother. No, I know exactly when. I know exactly when. Well, in that case, (laughs) shall we get on with it? In Life and Death, Chapter 19, Goodbyes, we are still on Sunday the 20th of March, 2005. Edith, Archie, Eleanor and Beau arrive at Charlie's house. Once they are sure Joss isn't waiting for them, Eleanor and Archie keep watch while Edith and Beau head inside. Beau barges past Charlie angrily, telling him that he's leaving because he likes Edith too much and he doesn't want to get stuck in a small town life. Back in the truck, Edith explains that Joss is a particularly determined tracker who will not rest until she kills her target. 
At Cullen Manor, Lauren explains that she joined Joss and Victor because Joss is so powerful. She does not wish any harm on the Cullens, but she will not stand against Joss and Victor. Instead, she leaves for the Denali Coven. Ernest swaps clothes with Beau to confuse the scent. Then, Corrine and Edith leave in the jeep to distract Joss, and Ernest and Royal set off in Beau's truck to distract Victor. When the coast is clear, Archie, Jessamine and Beau set off for Arizona. Overall impressions? Did you have any? This was never my favourite bit of the book. Is it because it hurts? I just don't like the way that they have to do this to Charlie. I understand. Maybe it's the mm. best solution, but it's not nice. And it's like, hard to read. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. What about you? General impressions? Not as enthusiastic as I was about the last chapter, but the pace is still there. It's still moving. There's something happening, which is just such a shock. <laughs> such a shock to the system. Ah! The plot is advancing. Character making choices, actions that have consequences. <laughs> Hit it. Bo at the beginning of this chapter say, like just before he gets to the door saying to Edith like whatever I say whatever happens I love you. And it's like bitch you've got 15 minutes. Like she's not even fucking listening. Well maybe I was just carrying a little bit from the last chapter where I was like oh starting to actually get into it a little bit more than I should. <laughs> But I just wrote romantic. The line, I love you, whatever happens now, that doesn't change. I found that to be quite romantic. The problem then happened when they then are in the truck again and have a whole other extended conversation. I was like, oh, if that's the last time he's going to speak to her. I thought that was like his goodbye. But no, then he gets a whole other goodbye. Of course that's not their goodbye. He's just apologising for saying things, basically, to Charlie. But that's not clear. Oh, well, I thought it was clear. At this point in the story in Twilight, Bella said to Edward, don't listen to everything I'm about to say. Mm. Bo doesn't do that. I didn't even realise that Bo really had this plan. No, well, it's not really a plan. He has an idea. It just kind of happens. Yeah. See, whereas Bella, I'm sure it was more premeditated. Like, she came up with the idea in the Jeep. She does. She's like, I know what I'm going to say. Whereas Bo's like, Bleh. he's winging it. He's improving. Yeah, I was just like, ugh. Yeah, in the, in the wider context, it's pointless. Yeah. I just thought in terms of, like, the arrangement of words, I enjoyed it. It made me feel something for a second. Wow, that's a lot for you. <laughs> We're just going to take it where you find it, you know? <laughs> So Bo nearly crying and him having to get it together. Don't you cry, Bo. Don't you cry. Boys don't cry. And he's acting like a typical teenager. Kicking the door, slamming the his bedroom door. But I suppose that's all part of the act, isn't it? Yeah, but don't be wrecking up Charlie's house. He works hard for that house. He does. Be respectful. Bo's room has a lock on it. Jealous. I know. So did Bella's. I had to check. Like, as a teenager, you always wanted a lock on your door. You were never allowed a lock on your door. They don't have a lock on the bathroom door, but he's got a lock on his bedroom door. (laughs) (laughs) Weird! What a weird family! Very odd. I just want to do a little classic Isaac comparison between the way it goes in Twilight and the way it goes in Life and Death. It's all mostly the same, but in Twilight, when Bella comes rushing in, Charlie's banging on the bedroom door and he says, Bella, are you okay? What's going on? And Bella says his voice was frightened. The same line in Life and Death is, so I guess your date didn't go so well. Charlie's voice was confused, but calmer. We're also missing a line from Charlie that appears in Twilight, which is, did he hurt you? Mm. His tone edged towards anger. 
And I'm not saying it's wrong of Charlie to have these different reactions, but I think it's just notable to look at the society we live in. There is no fear when Bo comes home upset. Mm-hmm. There's no threat when you've got a teenage son who dates women. Mm-hmm. Not wrong of him. It's, you know, a reaction to the society we live in. I don't know. If I were a parent and my teenage son, that who's reasonably calm and very chilled and doesn't really do much, comes home and is stomping around and is really angry and is goes straight to his room and locks his door that he doesn't usually lock, I would be like, what the fuck is going on? What's wrong? Like, really upset and anxious, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, he gets there. Yeah, eventually, when Bo is saying, I'm leaving, yeah and first something i did take issue with with charlie is first he patronizes him when Bo says i like her too much Mm. charlie says um that's not really how that works son like yeah fine you're older you know more you've got more life experience but if that's what he's feeling and he's clearly hurting listen to your son yeah and then he's rushing to leave and i don't know if you picked up on this but a tiny little detail that is here that isn't in twilight Mm. so it must be significant for her to have put it in (laughs) you say this all the time when it's not i know i am convinced it must be he unlocks the door and shoves past charlie and he says my bag knocked a picture off the wall as i hurtled down the stairs yeah i think that's a nice little detail that doesn't happen in twilight and i wondered is this a callback to the embarrassing photos that charlie keeps in the living room Charlie keeps a picture of his wedding day with Renee, even though they're divorced. Mm. He keeps all of the photos of Bowen braces and with acne and growing up. Pictures are important to Charlie. He lives alone, but he puts up pictures. His personal history is clearly important to him. And having a photo knocked off the wall, I thought was something. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was a little excessive, to be honest, but... uh... (laughs) (laughs) And then... You've got a son, not a daughter, so he can't have been physically harmed. What must he be doing? Drugs! Drugs! All of the drugs! <laughs> Are you doing drugs, Bo? I mean, like, I understand he's acting erratic and unusual, but... Charlie is the chief of police. He's seen people on drugs. Yeah. But I guess this is just how men deal with emotions, isn't it? Well, it must be. Must be enhanced by something. My first clue that he was on drugs is he came home and he was feeling things. <laughs> Bo turned to look at him, hoping the red in his eyes looked like anger. Honestly, just fucking cry. And Bo's killer line, the thing that really does it, is, I really, really hate forks. Now, hate is italicised, let's be fair. That's it, that's the thing. And then Edith calls Bo an insignificant object. Who calls Bo that? Edith. Edith? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Fabulous. This is when they're back in the truck and Edith says, I'm not sure if there's anything I could have done to avoid this. She's not used to being thwarted, no matter how insignificant the object. She thinks of herself as a hunter, as the hunter. So uh, even though Poe is really insignificant, Joss ain't gonna let it go. (laughs) And then I think I found a typo. So this is in my hardback dual edition of Twilight and Life and Death that was published in 2015. As they arrive at Cullen Manor, Eleanor is getting Bo out of the truck, and Bo writes, She pulled me out of the seat, ducked under my arm, threw her arm around my waist, then ran me through the front door with my feet a foot off the ground, like I was a giant rag doll. Then. Then. Well, we're in the whole book, I say we stop now. I circled it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> like, who 
whose job is it? I mean, it's easily done. It happens all the time. And actually, it often, I mean, I've scribbled all over this now, but typos in like a popular work can actually make the, the edition quite valuable. People are so stupid. I like that Eleanor carries him like a ragdoll, though. So then Ernest grabs Bo in a fireman's pose and <laughs> shoves him upstairs so they can swap clothes because Royal refuses to. So jeans are undone and shirts are taken off. Woo! Bella and Esme never got any of this action, did they? Mm, no, it was too dark. I checked. Bella could hear Esme's clothes hitting the floor but couldn't see anything. Oh! Look at this, the boys are right in the light. <laughs> but of course, we have to have a comment that Ernest's trousers are a little too short for Bo. Everyone take a drink, because <laughs> he's so tall. And then he has to say goodbye to Edith. Now, there's an interesting description here. It felt like someone had ripped all the skin off of my face. That is not what crying feels like. <laughs> I don't know if Stephanie Meyer has ever cried or ever tried not to cry. But if this is what it feels like when Bo is trying not to cry, just cry. It is. It actually feels quite nice. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just need to have a good cry. If my option was to cry in front of people or feel like someone had ripped all the skin off my face. <laughs> wh what? I don't know. That is horrific. I know. And then later on he says like... It's the, the skinning feel. Yes. As the other group are leaving, the feeling of being slowly skinned didn't Sk let up. <laughs> what is this? I know. I just kept thinking of um, Hannibal Lecter. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's not an accurate <laughs> description of anything I've is experienced. Is this how toxic masculinity feels <gasps> like? Is this oh, what... is that what it feels like? Yeah. Wow. Oh my if God. I cry, my skin will start to peel off. No wonder men are angry all the time. This is why we need feminism. <laughs> Because there are loads of boys out there with yeah. their faces being skinned. <laughs> and they're not talking about this. They think it's normal. So then Archie asks permission to touch Bo and basically fly him into the car. And Bo says he's for the first to ask permission, which is true. But Archie has already touched him without consent because he helps Ernest grab an arm and they fly down the stairs. Yeah. So Archie's already done it. So really asking is of no consequence. Oh, that is such a good point. And then they fly out the door, leaving the lights on. Think of the electricity bill! They don't care about the electricity bill. We've already established they don't care about the planet. They don't care about <laughs> other people. <laughs> so that's it. That's it. Thank fuck. We're going on a road trip. To Phoenix! Did anyone bring snacks? So is the snack. <laughs> no Pringles? No mixed nuts like an old slightly warm packet of fruit pastels that's what you want on a road trip oh yeah that's true mm. best bit the plan and the pace there's not a particular moment necessarily that i thought that is my favorite bit but just generally the fact that the pace kept up from last time feels good but also i like the plan i love it when a plan comes together what about you? What's your best bit? My best bit is every, like, yes, consent is really important and I'm a big advocate for it, but I really like that everybody picks Bo up. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's important. He is being rescued. Because Bo's a drip, he's boring. He's only exciting when he's being chucked around like a ragdoll. Oh, uh, yes. Or having a striptease with Ernest. 
Worst bit? My worst bit is Bo not crying. Boys cry. Preach it. And it is bullshit to have him hurt his father like that and not cry about it. Mm -hmm. To be leaving this vampire girl that apparently is his whole life and not cry about it. Yeah. And to have an invisible man skin his face and not cry about (laughs) it. It's absurd. (laughs) How about you? What's your worst bit? Yeah, I want to say, yeah, me too. But I just put... Bo upsetting Charlie. Oh, you're so sweet. Mm, it's just not nice. I love your love for Charlie. Would you like a question to ponder on? I'm all right, actually. <laughs> Go on then. I suppose you've worked hard on it, have you? Lauren heads off to the Denali clan, potentially to learn to live without drinking human blood. And then there's a moment where they decide what they're going to do now. Edith says, as soon as Bo is clear, we hunt her, meaning Joss. And Corrine agrees she's left us no other choice. Yeah. My question is a bit of a big one. What makes vampires evil? Is it right for vampires to be executed? And should the Cullens be attempting rehabilitation? Ooh. That's kind of like three questions. The core of it is, because we're in a world where, compared to a lot of vampire lore, these vampires aren't demonic or soulless. And we've seen in many of the Cullens that you can slip or you can make a conscious choice to go and hunt people, but then you can come back into the fold. So basically what I'm saying is, is it right to just kill vampires who feed on people? Maybe no one's been there to show them that there's another option. Yeah, but also, should there be another option? A vampire's purpose is to hunt humans and drink their blood. Now that's been deemed as evil, but I don't know. In the current climate, I think it might be the way to go. (laughs) (laughs) These uh, goody-two-shoes have decided that they're going to have morals and make you question what's right and what's wrong. Whereas, to be fair, these vampires have just been turned by other vampires who have gone about their business and it's like, now you're a vampire and now you want blood, I'm afraid. That's just how it goes. But the, the fact, the very existence of the Cullens calls that into question. Yeah. Is there something fundamentally different about the Cullens or are they just stronger? Do they just have more restraints? It's still hard for them every day. It just seems hypocritical to me. Like, you over there committing the same crime that I used to do. I had the privilege of learning to do otherwise. I'm not going to give you the same. But do you really think Joss will be reasoned with because Corrine invited them over and only Lauren went? You make a good point. And I think for this story, yeah, you're saying they're right to execute Joss. No, I'm not. Oh. That's not what I'm saying. What are you saying? I'm saying let vampires be vampires. It's in their nature. Kill all the humans. Oh, okay. Okay, right. So actually, in trying to protect Bo, they're wasting their time. Absolutely. Just change him. Or kill him. Thank you for joining us for Chapter 19 of Life and Death. Join us next time for Chapter 20, Impatience. You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast. And you can rate, review, and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you listen. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, I really, really hate forks. Forks.